What's up everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. Alright, so the way this works is we've got a clinical case followed by a board style question. So we're going to go through the question stem, point out the relevant clinical findings, take a look at the question and the answer choices, and then kind of divert for a minute and go through the relevant concepts to answering the question. Then we'll come back and apply those concepts that we went over to answering the question. Alright, so for this case we've got a 43 year old man, so a middle aged guy, he's coming to the ED. He's got chest pain that spontaneously began an hour ago. So we've got acute chest pain in a middle-aged man. Definitely concerning for these things right here, MI, PE, and aortic dissection. Not saying it's any one of these, but you definitely, right away when you hear chest pain, you definitely want to be worried about these three things because they can kill somebody. His chest pain is worse when leaning back and relieved when leaning forward. That's really important. We'll talk about that in a second here. His pain is also worsened when asked to take a deep breath. His pain, chest pain is worse with inspiration. Also very important, we'll come back to that in a little bit here. His vitals in the ED, so his temperature is 38.2, so he's febrile. Not super high temperature, but he definitely meets the criteria for febrile. Heart rate is 108, so he's tachycardic. Blood pressure, 102 over 73, so he's hypotensive. And then respiration of 20. So that's on the higher end, but not crazy high. So with these right here, this patient's not in good shape. He could have an acute infection. This also could just be secondary to some other inflammatory process going on um, or some other underlying pathology going on. So it's hard to tell at this point. We just know that he's got chest pain and, he's, and with these characteristics, he's not doing well. Physical exam is notable for a high-pitched scratching on cardiac auscultation. So this is not a murmur. This is some uh, indicative of pathology, often this is indicative of some kind of inflammatory process going on with the pericardium. Right away, we want to be thinking about potentially pericarditis, cardiac tamponade, processes like that. And so let's keep reading though to further confirm that. EKG is notable for diffuse ST segment elevation. So right there, you're probably thinking about a STEMI. Definitely, you, you know, whenever you see that, it definitely you have bells go off. The other thing you're seeing is PR segment depression in leads here. One, two, three, AVL and AVF. So you're seeing ST segment elevation and PR segment depression in all of these leads. Very important. We'll talk about that in a second. Serum troponin. Makes sense. You're going to get troponin levels when you're worried about an MI. Serum troponin levels and CKMB levels are both within normal range. So that kind of throws off our thought of maybe being an MI because typically with a STEMI, especially you're going to see usually see elevated serum troponin levels. Let's keep reading though here. So you got erythrocyte sedimentation rate, C-reactive protein are both elevated. So these ESR and CRP are both inflammatory markers. They don't point to one specific diagnosis, but they are indicative that some kind of inflammatory process is going on. So we definitely want to keep that in mind. It helps add to the whole story here. Do an echocardiogram to get another idea of what's going on here. It reveals an ejection fraction of 55%. This is normal. So he's not in heart failure. No evidence of pericardial effusion, which is essentially leakage of fluid around the heart, so that which can also be uh, troublesome as well. And so it's a, it's a good thing we don't see that either. So we want to summarize the key history and exam findings like we usually do. We've got them right here. And then the question here is asking what's the most likely diagnosis. Now this is very this is a very classic question for step two, the last diagnosis, next step in management, things like that. 
But you're, you can see step one questions like this as well, where they'll ask for just kind of simply what is the diagnosis. On step one, getting the diagnosis is also really important because often it's the first step in some of those secondary and tertiary questions where, you know, you got to get the diagnosis. And then based on that, knowing that you, you get asked kind of a basic science type question, a pathology or physiology or pharmacology question. So being able to see the diagnosis is a very important skill. So let's kind of walk through these and see if we can walk walk through this. This is, a, is almost like a differential. This is kind of the main things here. The other thing, like we mentioned earlier, is aortic dissection. The thing is, they're just not giving us enough information. You really need a CT scan to either know that, that that's there or rule it out. The other thing is that the classic for that is chest pain that uh, radiates to the back, kind of a tearing chest pain, and you just don't see that. So MI, definitely worried about this. You got a middle-aged man. Usually in their 50s is when age is really a serious component mid 50s but even in uh, you know a 43 year old guy you would be worried about it it's acute chest pain the thing is though and then you got this st segment elevation the thing though is is that the chest pain is relieved when leaning forward and worsened when leaning back and with inspiration this is characteristic for pericarditis the other thing that's characteristic for pericarditis is you have a high pitch scratching this is also known as a cardiac rub this is also seen often with pericarditis and so the thing with that is is that Yes, you have this ST segment elevation, but you can also see this with pericarditis. And the other thing that helps you differentiate this from a STEMI is one, right off the bat, you got normal troponins, but even from the EKG standpoint, yes, you can also see PR segment depression on the EKG in a STEMI, but the fact that you see it in more than one lead is more characteristic of pericarditis. So seeing PR segment depression in multiple leads, as we see here, plus with a cardiac rub or this high-pitched scratching noise on auscultation, definitely more characteristic for pericarditis and then also the fact that the chest pain is relieved when leaning forward so as we go down here elevated esr and crp again these point towards inflammation pericarditis is an inflammatory process it's in the name itis it's infl inflammation of the pericardium you could also see inflammation though in cardiac tamponade see a cancer patient some other type of pathologies and so you definitely want to be concerned for that as well and then pulmonary embolism, thing about pulmonary embolism is they just have to give us more here. They're just not giving us enough. Yeah, you can have acute chest pain. Leaning forward and having it relieved when leaning forward is, again, more characteristic of pericarditis, not pulmonary embolism. The other thing with a PE is they'd have to give us some more imaging in labs. So you got an increased AA gradient is often characteristic, increased D-dimer, and then often you also there's you know certain scans like a radionuclide scan or a ventilation perfusion mismatch scan. Again, they're not giving us any of that here in the stem. The suspicion for PE is down, and plus you just have these other characteristics that seem more pointing towards other diagnoses. So we'll cross that out. I think it's safe to say we can cross out MI. Dilated cardiomyopathy. Typically these patients are in heart failure. Typically it's about less than 40% is the ejection fraction. This patient has a normal ejection fraction. You'd also see on the echo, severely dilated heart, and you just don't see that. And so again, I think we can rule this one out. So it's looking towards pericarditis, but tamponade, also very serious. And you've got to be able to distinguish these because they can have a similar presentation. So to talk about pericarditis, you got to know what the pericardium is. So let's review a little bit of the anatomy here. So the pericardium is a fibrous connective tissue that surrounds the heart and protects it. And so you have essentially two layers two sections of it. You have the fibrous pericardium, which is this very thick outer connective tissue here. 
And then you have the serous pericardium. And so the serous actually has two layers. It has the parietal and the visceral layer. Now the parietal layer is pretty adherent to the fibrous pericardium. There's not really much space there. It's almost like they're just glued together or stuck together. However, the visceral though, there's a little bit, there's a potential space here. Whenever you have a ton of potential space, you can have fluid that builds up in there. And then on the other side of the visceral is the actual heart. So what pericarditis is, is when you have inflammation of this pericardium. So you have inflammation, it gets really taut and it can restrict the pumping action of the heart. It can cause a lot of stress on the heart. And so that's why you can see, you know, chest pain in these patients. There's also serious inflammation, inflammatory process going on this as well. And so that can contribute to the, the associated clinical findings you see here where you have their febrile, he has a fever, increased ESR, increased CRP. Those are all things you can see with pericarditis. Now, cardiac tamponade, on the other hand, is where you have a buildup of fluid in this potential space in a very short period of time. You have a very large buildup of fluid. Yes, you can have a, what's called a pericardial effusion where you have fluid that builds up because, you know, it is an inflammatory process. Not always. You don't see that in this patient. Sometimes they have it. Sometimes they don't. The difference, though, is this can build up over time. And again, it cannot be significant enough. Cardiac tamponade, it's a large buildup of fluid. You know, obviously, it builds up all around the heart like this. And then what happens is, is that it constricts the heart. It really constrains the heart's function, really makes it harder to pump efficiently, and actually can cause fluid to build up within the heart and kind of get backlogged, if you will, because you're just having, you know, you're having such a uh, much harder time getting fluid out. It's almost like suffocating the heart, if you will. And so with cardiac tamponade, what you want to pay attention to is what's called Beck's triad. These are three clinical signs. So hypotension. Yes, our patient has hypotension. You can also see that with pericarditis. Thing is though, is our patient, it's not dramatic hypertension where they're almost, they're crashing and it's much more serious, which you can often see with cardiac tamponade. But you gotta realize car cardiac tamponade, oftentimes if it happens, it can be fatal very, very quickly. Other thing you see here is muffled heart sounds. This is on oscillation, and that's because you know fluid's denser than air. You also, it's also a, a thick buildup of fluid, so it's just a, a thicker and denser medium for the sound to travel through, and so it gets kind of muffled. We don't see that in our patient. And then the third thing with Beck's triad is increased jugular venous pressure. And so if we think about this, you know, you have the heart like this, and you have the superior vena cava that's coming in right into the right atrium. You have these brachiocephalic veins like this, and then you have the jugular veins that are draining in like this. So it's you know, draining all the way down into the heart from the neck and the head. And so what happens is, is that if you have this backlog of fluid, what's really gonna happen is, is that you're actually gonna see distension of these jugular veins, and you actually see this on exam. You can see distension of these because the fluid is backing up into, from the heart into the sphere vena cava, from into the brachiocephalic veins and into the jugular veins, and you can, see, you can see that distension on exam. There's actually, when you have someone inspire on inspiration, you can see significant distension, and that's actually called Kussmaul's sign. And the reason for that is when someone inspires, remember, they're decreasing the intrathoracic pressure. 
And so by creating decreasing the intrathoracic pressure, not only does that create an air a gradient for air to flow in, but it also creates a gradient for venous return. It actually helps aid with venous return. The problem is if there's a significant backlog here that you're going to see a paradoxical rise in jugular venous pressure during inspiration. That's not normal. And you can see that with cardiac tamponade. And again, we just don't see that with our patient here. So it doesn't it appears that it's pericarditis versus cardiac tamponade. And so again, patient has acute pericarditis. Main things you wanted to know here is chest pain. It's worsening with leaning back and relieved when leaning forward. It's worse when the patient takes a deep breath on inspiration. Patients with pericarditis can often have fevers. They can often be tachycardic. They can often be hypotensive. This is very pathognomonic, notable for high-pitched high pitch scratching on cardiac auscultation, also known as a rub. And then you can also see ST segment elevation and PR segment depression in multiple leads on EKG. And then again, you can see the rise in these inflammatory markers as well. And so that leads us to our final diagnosis, acute pericarditis. All right, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you check back every Wednesday for new Da Vinci cases. And then to see the corresponding video for this audio, check out our website at dviacademy.com, where you can also find PDF notes for this audio as well. Also on our site, you can find our book and video packages for anatomy and biochemistry. You can also follow us on Instagram for weekly posts and video. And then lastly, if you have any questions about the content of this video or about Da Vinci Academy, put them in the comments and our team will be sure to answer them. All right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.